Hi, this is Mark Brady. I'm the pastor at Anchor Faith Church in Valdosta, Georgia. I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today. We believe it will bless you and minister to you. I get ready to receive a word from God. God is good, amen? He is a way maker, promise keeper, miracle worker, life giver. And I believe he's doing it in your life. Go with me to Galatians chapter 5, if you will. Galatians chapter 5. I want to continue talking about freedom. We talked about free to go last week. Talked about how Jesus will offend your flesh to strengthen your faith, right? And many times the things that he addresses and confronts and challenges is not to bring you down, it's to build you up. It's to make you into who you are. But many times to get where we're going, we have to remove and relieve ourselves of things. And so when Jesus was ministering, many times he ministered in a way that would challenge people in these ways, in these categories, because there are certain things that you cannot bring in. There are certain ways of living or habits of practicing or ways of thinking that will restrain us and restrict us from enjoying and receiving all that God has for us. Do you believe that God has something great for you? Do you believe that when he wrote in his word, my plans that I have for you, say if the Lord plans for good and not for evil, do you believe that? He has plans to your benefit. He has plans to grow you. He, plan, he has plans to make you better than when he found you. Amen. Amen. And so when the Holy Spirit begins to confront and address and reveal and, and illuminate these things, man, it should be our posture that says, man, if, if it doesn't need to be there, I want to let it go. If it doesn't need to remain or if it's not helping me get where I need to be, then I'm not challenging it. I'm not questioning it. I'm not pushing back. Lord, let me remove it. One thing I have found is many times we ask God to remove things that are off limits to him. Hello? Many times we're saying, God, remove this or remove that, or I've asked God to take this away, and he will not do it. He refuses to do it, and he leaves it up to us to lay it down. Because God will not force you into submission, into his plan, and into his purpose. God will not, by any means, overstep your will and your ability to make the decision to remove or cast away or get rid of something in your life. He will not do it. Now, what he will give you is the grace and the ability and the empowerment to make that decision. He absolutely will do that. He will say, I won't do it for you, but I will empower you by my grace to overcome that. That's what the grace of God is. The grace of God is not a band-aid that we put over wrong living. The grace of God is an empowerment to live right, to live righteously, to live according to his plan. And so when we don't understand how grace operates in our life, then we're not fully understanding how we overcome these things and how we truly get free. 
I've had people tell me, I've, I've asked the Lord to take it away. I've asked the Lord to remove this. Didn't, didn't Paul have that conversation? I asked the Lord three times, won't you remove? And he said, no, but my, guess what? My grace is sufficient for you. And when you are weak, I am strong. I will strengthen you so you can lay it down. But I will not step in and just take it away from you. That's wrong theology. If you've been taught that, it's time to retrain your thinking. And it's time to get some true freedom in your life. I believe people truly want to be free. I believe people truly want to be free. And I believe that if anybody should be exhibiting what true freedom on this planet looks like, it ought to be the church of the living God. It ought to be us. It ought to be us. Galatians chapter 5 verse 1 in the Christian standard reads this way, for freedom, Christ set us free. Everyone say free. For freedom, Christ set us free. Now watch this. Stand firm then and don't submit again to a yoke of slavery. What kind of recommendation is that? Christ set us free, yet we're still having to be admonished. Don't go back to it. Don't continue in a slavery mentality. Don't continue to live like a slave if he's done all the work to make you free. This is the admonishment that the Apostle Paul is writing to the church. He's saying, if Christ did all this work and has, has taken care of everything he can on his part to make you free, then don't submit yourself. What's that mean? You Take personal responsibility to walk in the freedom Christ has made available to you. In the Amplified, it reads this way. It was for this freedom that Christ set us free, completely liberating us. Therefore, what's therefore for? It's there because Christ has made you free. He's completely liberated you. So because he's made you free, keep standing firm and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery, which, here it is, you once removed. So what we have to understand is in all that Christ did to make you free, what he really did was he made the opportunity available to you to walk in freedom. But we have to understand some things about this freedom. We have to understand some things about this liberality. The word freedom today is much like the word love. People use it, but with very little understanding of what it truly means. I think maybe freedom and love simultaneously together are two of the most abused words in the English dictionary that we have today. We don't know what love is. Let's just understand that. And the world doesn't get to redefine it. Y'all hearing me? God is love. He doesn't just show love, have love, define love. He is love. See, if you don't even have God, you don't even you don't stand a chance to define the word love. So I'm not going to let someone in darkness try to tell me who's in light what love should look like. But you see love being redefined all over the place today. 
Because we love to take a word or to take a thought or an ideology and reduce it down to our form of what we feel we can live up to rather than rising to the standard like we talked last week of what true love really is. Well, we've done the same thing with this word freedom. And again, last week, you know, Independence Day, 4th of July, where we celebrate our freedom, we as Americans can sometimes miss the mark when it comes to the freedom that the Word of God is talking about, biblical freedom. Many times when people think of freedom, their first thought is less, not more. (laughs) What? Less restraint, less law, less Uh, prohibiting factors, less restrictions in my life. But really, if we look at biblical freedom, it's not identified with less. It's actually identified with more. Why is it that a group of believers, remember, he's writing to the church at Galatia. He's not writing to the world. He's not writing to lost people. He's writing to people who have experienced salvation in Christ, who have prayed the prayer of salvation, who have experienced this liberty and this freedom that Christ shed his blood for. He died on that cross. Let me tell you this. There is nothing else God needs to do. There's nothing else Jesus needs to do to make you more free than the day you committed your life to Christ. You will never be more free than that day, than that moment. You can't be more saved. You can't be more righteous. You can't be more in Christ. When he did it once, he did it once and for all. It's a completed work. It's past tense. And now Jesus and the Father are seated on thrones, God the Father and Jesus at the right hand of the Father, and you and I get to walk in all of the completed work of Christ. And now I'm not working to become, I'm working because of what he's made available to me. But why is the Apostle Paul having to admonish a bunch of free Christians who have received the freedom and the liberality of salvation and the kingdom of God. Why is he having to admonish them? Do not go back to a former way. Do not return back to. We just sang about it. We just sang about it. The cross before me, the world behind me, no turning back. I'm not going back to darkness. I'm not going back to sickness and disease. I'm not going back to being ruled by the ways of the world. I'm not going back to hatred and gossip and greed and all the things that come along with the perverseness and the lustfulness of the flesh. I don't have to go back to those things. We all know that the kingdom life is way better than what the enemy has to offer. I don't need to preach to you about that this morning. You know that. You know that living the way God wants you to live is way more freeing than living under subjection to the world. We all know that. But why do we as believers, as free people, need to be admonished and encouraged? Keep standing firm. 
and do not be subject again to a yoke of slavery, which you once removed. It's because freedom has a price. Freedom has a cost. Freedom will cost you something. I mean, we've all heard it. Freedom isn't free. We know even in America, the freedoms that we enjoy, that, that somebody is paying the price or has paid the price for us to enjoy the freedoms that we are uh, enjoying and, and the freedoms that we walk in daily. That's why we need to give thought to when we, when we do things as free people, we need to be reminded that we don't take that liberty so far as to compromise or remove the price that was paid to live and, to, and think and operate that way. We've seen a lot of these freedoms challenged in our own country, just as Americans. But now I want to take you over to the kingdom. Now, we know the price that ultimately was paid for your freedom was Jesus Christ on the cross. And it was a price that was too steep for you and I. It was a debt that we could not repay. It was a price and a cost that was too steep for you and I to pay. And Jesus, in his sinless, spotless self, had to offer himself up willfully as the the ultimate lamb slain before the foundations of the world, as the, the sacrifice you and I get to walk in the freedoms of the kingdom of God. But that doesn't mean that we get to enjoy these freedoms without any cost or any price to us today. And I would submit to you today that for many people in the kingdom of God, the price to live free cost them more than the price they were paying in slavery. The reason why Paul is writing to a church, if you look at this book of Galatians, they were constantly trying to uh, uh, submit themselves over to rules and regulations and, 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 and really what we would just call religious living. They were really focused on the works of, of man and got really focused on why isn't that person circumcised or why didn't this person do this or why aren't they doing that? And they became just like a group of people that opposed Jesus called the Pharisees that were very focused on the outward works. And so Paul is saying, why would you want to subject yourself back to a system that didn't work before? It's not going to work for you now. To be fully submitted to the freedom of Christ is to receive what he did for you, and then what you do for him flows from that. That I'm not getting circumcised to be received. I'm getting circumcised because of what he did for me. And all the little religious things, now they, they go to the wayside because what I'm doing and how I'm living and how I'm behaving and, and how I'm acting flows from who I now am. Later on in this chapter, Galatians chapter 5, down in the 20s, you find what we call the fruit of the Spirit. Love, joy, peace. Notice that it's the fruit of the Spirit, meaning 
that it comes from being a a spirit-filled person and having the Holy Spirit living in you. Now the fruit or the product of that is love, joy, peace, patience, goodness. So I'm not doing those to be a spiritual person. I'm doing those because I am a spiritual person. When we get it flopped, then we're not walking in true liberty. We're not walking in real freedom. And he's helping them understand that many times we sacrifice true freedom by living under restraints and programs and restrictions that God never meant for us to live by any longer. And he wants to set us free from that. He wants to set us free. For many people, it is easier to exist in slavery than to live in freedom. For many people, it is easier to exist in slavery than it is to live in true freedom. Why? Because this true freedom now brings a price of responsibility. Freedom is not less responsibility. Freedom is now the ability to be responsible for what you were designed to be responsible for. Freedom in Christ is now the ability to walk out everything God called and designed for you to do on this earth. It's all attached to your purpose. And anything that restricts or restrains God's plan and God's purpose from working through your life is against the will of God, is against his plan. And it is slavery. It is restricting you and keeping you. But when we walk in the freedom of Christ, it's not being free from law and being free to do as we please and free to think as I want. No, that's not freedom. And so, because many people have a misinterpreted idea of what freedom looks like, when they actually get in freedom, they reject it and resist it because this doesn't look like the liberality I thought this was supposed to be. A life free to choose and free to decide how you want is no freedom at all. No, freedom in Christ is freedom to choose the life he's chosen for you. The life he's planned for you. The life he's destined for you. And if I could even submit this to you, when you think you're making your own choice or your own decision, you're really not. We said it last week that to walk away from Jesus is only to walk toward the enemy. There's only one or the other. The enemy wants you to think you decided that, you chose that, you came up with that, you're doing what you want to do, you're living out what you want to live out, you're following your own intuitions and your own uh, 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 inclinations. He wants you to think that, but ultimately you're just doing what he wants you to do. You are always either obeying the the God of darkness, the ruler of darkness, or the ruler of light, the kingdom of God. 
the King of kings and the Lord of lords. You're only either submitted to one or the other. You're never just doing what you want to do. And so we have to understand this freedom that Paul's talking about here in Galatians chapter 5. We have to understand what this true liberty really looks like. In the kingdom of God. Most people don't experience true freedom because they don't accept full responsibility. Most people don't experience true freedom because they don't accept full responsibility. So freedom has a has a cost. Freedom has a price. It's called responsibility. And it's the embracing of the right responsibility. It's embracing. In fact, you'll find this. True freedom imposes more law than slavery. True freedom imposes more law than slavery. True freedom demands more work than slavery. True freedom demands more work than slavery. True freedom demands more self-control than slavery. See, some people, they are so uh, uh, bent on the scourge and being told and being uh, 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 living according to a set or to a certain code or to a certain standard under slavery that when they end up in freedom, they don't recognize that now it's up to me to follow. Before my taskmaster decided when I woke up, what time I went to bed, what I ate, when I ate, how often I ate, where I lived, where I slept. But now freedom in Christ is the freedom to choose. But now that requires some self-control because there's no force involved. There, there's, no, there's none of that restraint. And now I have to make the decision from the inside. I'm going to follow Christ. No turning back. No turning back. I have, what, decided. You have to make that decision. True freedom demands more discipline than slavery. True freedom demands more discipline. See, when you're enslaved to something, you don't get to make the choice. But now in freedom, it's the freedom to choose which means I could choose or I could not choose. I can choose to obey the word of God or I can choose not to obey the word of God. When you're enslaved to darkness, you don't have a choice. Paul said it this way, even the things that I wanted to do, I didn't do, and the things that I didn't want to do, I did. Why? Because that's how the God of darkness operates. That's how the ruler of this world operates. He forces things into submission. You ever notice the difference between demon oppression and submitting yourself to the Holy Spirit? Demons, they force you to do stuff. Look in the Bible. They're throwing them into fires. They're making them do all kinds of weird things. They're making them say things that they don't want to say. The Holy Spirit doesn't oppress people. The Holy Spirit doesn't force people. How does the Holy Spirit operate? By you yielding yourself to him, which means I can choose to let the Holy Spirit operate in my life or I can choose not to. You have to 
yield yourself. In the kingdom, God only uses yielded vessels. And we remain moldable, and we, may, and we remain pliable, and we remain fixed to yielding to his word and to his will. But in darkness, you did it whether you wanted to or not. You, that's the way you lived, in slavery. When you're enslaved to something, you don't get the choice. There's no choosing involved. There's no decision to be made. But now when I walk in the freedom of Christ, now it's the freedom to choose his way, his plan, his purpose that he's defined and laid out for me. So the first thing we have to understand is that true freedom will actually present more, not less. It's learning to embrace the responsibility, not rejecting and resisting the responsibility that comes with it that allows us to fully engage in the freedom that Christ has made available to us. And that's why he says, this freedom Christ set you free for, he's paid the price, he's done all the work, now make sure you don't walk back to, turn back to the old way of living, that old yoke you used to carry, that old burden you used to live by that you have once removed. Don't go back to it. When you've experienced freedom, don't go back to slavery. Sounds like a silly thing to encourage a free person. But we're seeing it today. We're seeing people today that were once in bondage be completely brought out but yet still live like bound people. Are you hearing me? I mean, we're physically seeing it in our nation today. Certain restrictions and certain restraints have been lifted in the last couple months, and you still see people living by those same restrictions and restrictions. Why? Why do they do that? Because they got a hold of something greater than the physical, tangible they got somewhere deeper. You got bound somewhere far worse than a physical restraint of only certain people in gatherings and having to wear this and having to do that and having to do this to be able to operate in life. We're physically seeing this be presented in our world today. And the damage has been done. And Proverbs chapter 23, verse 7, tells us exactly where the damage has been done. Proverbs 23, verse 7 in the New King James reads this way. For as he thinks, as a man thinks, everyone say thinks. Everyone say thinks. For as a man thinks in his heart, so is he. In essence, this verse is telling us the word heart could also be a uh, 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 swapped with the word mind, as a man thinks in his mind, right? That's the thinking component of your life. That's where the mental capacity takes place. And as a man thinks, it determines how a man lives. How a man thinks determines how a man lives. And so here's the problem. You can have physical restraints removed and still live in bondage. 
Because if I don't fix the thinking component, y'all with me? So now I want to give you a word that we like to throw out in church a lot. And we've confused it with freedom. And it's not. It's called deliverance. Deliverance is not freedom. Deliverance is not freedom. And when we only seek deliverance from something, we'll never obtain true freedom from it. There's deliverance ministries. And deliverance is a vital step. I would put it this way. Deliverance is one step closer to freedom. But it is not freedom in totality. Deliverance is the removal and liberation of physical and external restraint. I'll give that to you again. Deliverance is the removal and liberation of physical and external restraint. Deliverance is the removal and liberation of physical and external restraint. That's deliverance. Now, in a moment, someone can get delivered. I've seen it happen. I've seen people get delivered, set free, liberated right in front of me. I mean, I've watched it come off of them. I've smelled it come out of them. I have seen true liberality. I have seen true deliverance. I have seen the liberation by the power of the Holy Spirit to deliver someone. I believe my God is a deliverer. I believe my God will set you free. I believe my God will make true liberty available to you. And he'll break off bondages. He'll break off generational curses. I I mean, I've seen with one individual alcohol addictions broken that went back years, generations, further back than they could even go in a moment. In a moment. I've also watched people get delivered and live bound. I've watched people get delivered and live bound. Because here's the thing. If I only take care of the physical, external condition, and I never address the internal, I'll go right back to what I got set free from. Because I will find that now the responsibility of freedom is much more difficult than the slavery of sin. Why would someone in Galatians chapter 5 run back to a yoke of bondage, run back to us being submitted and subjugated to an awful way of living, and we know it's awful. We know it's broken. We know it's not God's plan. We know that God has greater, has better, has more, has, 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 has such a higher way of living for And man, we know, but if we aren't willing to accept 
the responsibility, or can I even just put it this way, the burden of freedom, you'll run back to the slavery of bondage. And I know we all sit here with our church face on thinking, no, I would never reject the things of God to go back to the things of the world. Maybe some of us are in this room and there are some things you know you need to be delivered from today. You need him to deliver you. You need to be set free. And you're thinking, yes, Pastor Mar, I want that. I want that in a snap moment to be delivered. Never have to. But this is what we think. We think less. I won't have to look at that anymore. I won't have to watch that anymore. I won't have to hang out with that group of friends. But now what we, what we have to discover is, is, is the freedom or the, the burden of the freedom that is to come. Are you willing to accept that? I mean, every single person I've counseled on anything that is binding them or restricting them or restraining them or it's a sinful thing, they all want to be free. But I'll be honest, it's an extremely small percentage that's willing to pay the price of the freedom. It's just a sad state. It just, it, it honestly, it makes this job difficult, this assignment difficult, pastoring. Because I, I don't get to give you a magic pill out. There's no shortcuts. And honestly, you know, our country that we live in doesn't do me any favors. Because we always want maximum results with minimal investment. We always want to get the most out with putting little in. That's the way America's built. That's why we got Hot Pockets. That's what a Hot Pocket's for. Because making a pizza just takes way too long. That's why we have washing machines and dryers and microwaves and, and ovens and stove. That's why we have the stuff that we have, because it took too long or it required too much, and I can get the same result, and I'll even live with mediocre results. Come on. We'll even train ourselves to live with less if I can get it quicker. And I don't have to do as much work to get it. But unfortunately, none of that applies to kingdom living. Not one bit of it. There's no shortcut to healing your marriage. There's no shortcut to breaking free from pornography. There's no shortcut to getting delivered from an alcohol addiction. There's no shortcut. And we think this altar is the shortcut. I did the hard part. I stepped out of my seat. Everybody sees me. I'm coming down to the front. You know, there's all the steps. Okay, is he, is he going to ask me to raise my hand? I don't want to raise my hand. Okay, but I'll, I'll raise my hand. Okay, if you raise your hand, step out in the aisle. Oh, Pastor Mark, okay, I'll step out in the aisle. Fine. All right, if you step down in the aisle, I want you to come down. 
Come on, Pastor Mark. I mean, you had me at raise my hand. Now I'm coming down front. Okay, don't ask anymore. Don't ask me anymore. I come down to the front. Now give me my pill. Give me my magic potion. If we if we only knew, the work's just getting started. <laughs> if we only knew what you agreed to when you brought Jesus into your life and you confessed and you thought of everything Jesus that you wanted Jesus to take away, but you didn't think about everything Jesus was going to put on, because he did say, take my yoke, <laughs> take my burden. Now, my burden is light, but I still got a burden because there's always a burden associated with freedom. No, but we thought I would raise my hand, step out in the aisle, come down to the altar, pray with the pastor, go home, and never want to look at pornography again for the rest of my life. That's, that's how that works, right? That's, that's deliverance. No, deliverance is just the removal of the physical and the external. The real work is done on the inside. The real work, guys, I need Romans 12, verse 1 and 2 in the Amplified. I didn't give you that. The real work is done on the inside. Man, the Holy Spirit can deliver. Now, I want you to hear me because what I'm, it's not hard. It's not hard. And it, I'm not trying to present to you this unbearable life. I've t- it gets easier. But getting free, do we really want to be free? Or do we just want to be delivered? Do we really want to walk in true freedom? Or do we just want the physical, external restraints removed, but on the inside we're still lusting after and drawn to and desiring because we didn't have some real work. Therefore, I urge you, brothers and sisters, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies. That's the physical. That's the external. The goal is I'm to present what's on the outside to God, dedicating all of yourselves set apart as a living sacrifice, holy and well-pleasing to God, which is your rational, logical, intelligent act of worship. Now, here we go. Do not be conformed. Everyone say conformed. To this world any longer with its superficial values and customs, but be transformed and progressively changed. Notice that's not an altar call moment. That's not an overnight deal. That's not a quick prayer and all of a sudden, the miraculous is not magical. And I'm going to tell you right now, you don't want that kind of life anyways. You don't want a kind of life where God just comes in and just snatches every little thing that's wrong with you without any participation on your part to truly submit myself to his plan. He didn't design you that way from the beginning. Adam and Eve had the opportunity in a perfect world, no sin, to make a decision to walk away from God. God has always left that on the table. But now I want to offer myself. But I want to be transformed and progressively changed as you mature spiritually. How? 
by the renewing of your what? Your mind. Focusing on godly values and ethical attitudes so that you may prove for yourselves what the will of God is. The renewing of the mind leads to the proving of myself. The renewing of my mind is what leads to the renewing of my life. If I can't think it, I can't live it. And so true freedom, true liberality is not, oh, you're in darkness, now you're in light. That's deliverance. You've been delivered. Now, live like a free person. You've been delivered. Stop going back to bondage. You've been delivered. Quit putting that yoke back on. You've been delivered. You've been set free. And if he sets you free, then why would you go back to a former way of living? Why would I yield fruit of darkness when I can have the fruit of the Spirit? Why would I yield hatred when I can have love? Why would I yield uh, anxiety and worry when I can operate in peace, the peace of God that passes all understanding? Why would I yield myself to subjection under darkness any longer? I've been delivered. Now I need to live free. And if we continue to confuse the things, these two in church, we will continue to operate our ministries not in accordance with the word of God. And we will have a false hope and a false sense of freedom. When we only provide deliverance, but not the steps to live in true freedom, we're actually doing the people a disservice. I would be doing you a disservice. No, God wants more than that. Physical freedom is called deliverance. Deliverance prepares you for freedom. This is why it's so important. You got to be delivered. You can be delivered in a moment. I mean, when you, how many of you know the date, time, maybe the location, when you were born again? How many of you can assign that? You, you remember that moment. You remember that day. You remember who you were with. You remember the little church you were at. You remember what row you sat on. You remember what the altar was like. You remember what they smelled like. You remember, I mean, all those things come back. It's like that was the moment of salvation. That was the moment of deliverance. But I'll tell you this, salvation doesn't make you free. Because I know a lot of saved people that are still bound. Salvation prepares the way. Deliverance prepares the way. It's a vital step. And you need to hold that in value. You need to hold that uh, uh, close to you. Maybe some of you have it written down. I remember, you know, I, I still have the Bible. It's back in my office where I wrote down the date I gave my life to the Lord. And then the date that I was baptized in the Holy Spirit and spoke in tongues. And the date that I was baptized in water. I wrote those dates down. That's how significant and important they were. But I can't write down the moment that I renewed my mind. <laughs> you can't write that one down. That's progressive. I can't write down the day that I grew up spiritually because I'm still doing that. It's progressive. It doesn't happen overnight. It's not a, a landmark moment. But over time, I consistently take steps 
in deliverance to live free. To live free. And I had to accept the burden of freedom. I had to willfully lay my life down at times and willfully take up his cross at other times. And over time of making those decisions and accepting that burden and accepting the responsibility, I didn't just sit back on my deliverance and say, well, you know, I prayed the prayer one day and make no attempt toward the freedom that he has for me. So many Christians live that way. And they have even created a version of Jesus that allows them to live that way. Have you noticed that we always create a version of Jesus that suits us? You know, the Lord gave me this thought this week. He said, how come it's always people want me to accept them as they are, but they won't accept me as I am? (laughs) Jesus has to accept any version that I bring to him, but I can't accept Jesus for who he is. What's, What's the problem with this? Why can't Jesus say, you know what? I'm Lord. That's who I am. There's people that can't accept the provider Jesus. They think of a Jesus that wants them to be bound and wants them to be broke and wants them to always be in want and always. I mean, does the, does the verse not say, the Lord is my shepherd, I shall not want? I mean, y'all know that one. So why are we accepting a different Jesus? Some people can't accept the healing Jesus. There's people that have a version of Jesus that actually puts sickness and disease on people. Where did you get that from? Well, it's not God's will to heal. Well, if it's not God's will to heal, then Jesus was the number one oppressor of God's will in the earth because he was healing everybody. He was going around undoing God's will on everybody. And he healed all that were sick and diseased. And God's in heaven like, dude, I put that sickness there. Why are you taking it off? We have a version of Jesus that we can live up to. That's not freedom. Freedom to create whatever version of Jesus. No, we bear the burden and the responsibility of discovering who he is and then obtaining to that. And then beyond that, discovering that as he was, so are we in this world. Not only is it important to know who Jesus is, it's important to know how you should be living and operating like him when he was here in the earth. He takes it a step further. Now be my reflection. I set the example. I set the bar. I set the standard. But these works that I did, you do. And even greater works. Yeah, there's a burden. Here's the reason why we tend to go back to slavery and reject reject true freedom. It's because we become conditioned. When someone is mentally conditioned to a certain environment, certain atmosphere, a certain way of living, that can be very difficult to break. And I can deliver you physically, 
But if you've been conditioned mentally, when this all started last year, I remember it was March. It was one of the last services we had. Some of you remember, it was a praise and worship. What do we, a praise and declaration. It was a praise and declaration service. The worship team got up here and we just sang praise songs. We didn't even do worship songs. We sang praise songs because when you know you're going into battle, praise is your greatest weapon. Praise is proactive. Praise declares a thing before the thing shows up. And so we were praising our way out of fear. We were praising our way out of sickness and disease. We were praising our way. We set the standard before we even got there. I remember, you know, after that service, um, I don't remember if it was on Instagram or email or whatever, I had a couple, why are y'all having service? And da, da, da. It's like, I think I had another service just to, <laughs> I'm going one more week. Thank you for that. Say something this week. We'll do it again next week. I just keep on going. Praise and declaration. We were declaring the word. We found verses specifically on healing and uh, uh, found verses specifically on fear. Uh, We found verses specifically on our well-being and our state of mind. I have the mind of Christ. Because that's where the attack really was. And I remember saying in that service, now here's the thing. You can do physical things. Nothing wrong with that. At times, there's wisdom to do, to take physical action. But physical action void of an internal position, it will do you no good. If you don't eradicate fear, first and foremost, it doesn't matter what you do physically. It doesn't matter how many times you wash your hands. You can wash the skin right off of your hands, rub it raw. I mean, you can bathe yourself in hand sanitizer. You can throw on four masks. You can live in a bubble. You can stay home, uh, you know, 25 hours out of the day. You can do all this silliness, and you'll still be in fear after. That's what we told the church. I said, here's the problem. We're going to address the problem at the source. We're going to address the problem. They are trying to break us mentally. They're trying to condition us to a position where we think if we do this, this, and this, and then before you know it, one thing's not going to be good enough anymore. I said this in March of last year. They're going to keep adding to the pile. Why? Because we didn't solve the problem in the first place. And so what we do, just human nature, is if one thing doesn't work, we add another thing to it. And we add another thing to it, rather than just addressing the issue at the source. So we're going to address fear at the source. We're going to address fear on the inside. We're going to address the mental capacity to believe in what God can do. We're going to address the mental ability to stand on his word regardless of what comes against us. And a thousand may fall at my side and 10,000, but it will not touch my dwelling. It will not touch me. If it touched me, it dies. And somebody said to me, well, didn't you get it? I said, yeah, and I'm here. I won. 
Well, did you have a fever? Maybe a day? Do you know what a fever is? A fever is your body, is your body fighting off infliction. Your body warms up. Now, yes, if it gets too high, it can cause other issues. So you try to control the fever. But the fever is your body doing its job. My body did its job, what it's designed to do. Think I'm going to let fear rule my life? you got to be kidding me. That's an individual that is delivered but lives under a yoke of fear, lives under a burden of a life that was former. See, people in the world, they don't have an option. They don't get to live in the freedom you and I get to live in. They don't get to experience what you and I get to experience. They don't get to make the decision. They're enslaved to fear. You've seen people enslaved to fear? You've seen what that looks like? They have no option. And so they have to be limited to physical, external recourse. It's all they have. But I've got more than that. I've got more than that. That doesn't mean I get to stupidly live my life and just do whatever I want, even physically, and put myself in harm's way. But at the end of the day, I'm not limited to physical restraints. I'm not going to be Galatians 5. I'm not going to be the one that's been delivered but for freedom you've been set free and then find myself wandering back into darkness again. I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to do it. I refuse to do it. Being released from an oppressor does not guarantee a release from oppression. Being released from an oppressor does not guarantee being released from the oppression. I can take you clear out of the environment that's toxic, unhealthy, that is causing you to stumble, that is keeping you in a former way of life. I can remove the external, remove the physical, and you will still find yourself bound. You'll still find yourself enslaved because we didn't address the issue on the right level. Taking someone, delivering them from the oppressor, does not guarantee delivering them from the oppression. So quickly, go to Numbers 13. It's the renewing of your mind. As a man thinks in his heart, so is he. It's my thinking component. It's where I've been conditioned mentally. And now we're seeing it. We're seeing people that have been conditioned to believe a certain thing, that even when the physical restraints have been lifted, they still remain enslaved and in fear. We see it in our nation. Sorrowfully, I see it happen on a worse level spiritually. Where I know people have received deliverance at an altar. I know people have wept, they've cried, they've, they, they have sorrowfully repented, they have laid down, but they are still living in bondage. It's time to experience true freedom. If Jesus did what he did, 
so you and I could walk in true freedom. Then it's time for us to figure out, to learn, and to grow spiritually to the capacity we can live at that level of freedom. In Romans chapter 13, or I'm sorry, Numbers chapter 13, Numbers chapter 13, y'all know the story. Some of y'all already knew I was going here. Simply to catch you up, we've got the Israelites who were enslaved for four generations. All they knew was bondage. They were born into it, just like you and I, born into darkness, born into sin, born into the world. For all have sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. You came into this world not as a righteous son of God. You came in as a sinful son of man. Because of Adam's sin, we've all sinned. Born into it. It's all we knew. Slavery. Bondage. Restraint. Restriction. Wanting to do this but couldn't. Don't want to do that, but we still do it. These Israelites were born into this slavery. But they knew the way maker. The promise keeper, the light in the darkness, was going to make a way for them. And the deliverer, Moses, shows up. And in a moment, they're delivered out of Egypt. And where was God trying to take them? The promised land, Canaan. But if you remember the story correctly, God doesn't take them out of Egypt into Canaan. We have a space of time. We have an area in between called the wilderness. Oh, the lovely wilderness. God knew if I take them out of Egypt directly into Canaan, they'll turn Canaan into Egypt. Thank God he did not take them straight into Canaan. Because Coming out of Egypt is deliverance, physical removal, being delivered from the oppressor. But the problem was God couldn't get Egypt out of them. He was able to get them out of Egypt, but they still had some Egypt left behind. And even after the signs and the wonders, even after the Red Sea parting, even after the ten plagues coming on, all of the people except for the Israelites, even after the water out of the rock, the manna on the ground, the birds bringing them dinner, after all these signs and wonders, God fighting their battles for them. We end up at the penultimate moment here in Numbers 13 where they're standing on the edge of Canaan. God says, send in 12 spies to spy out the land. To see what it looks like. God wasn't sending them into the land to determine if they could take it. He was sending them into the land to determine how to take it. God will show you your vision and your plan and your purpose ahead of time, even maybe before you feel able and feel ready, so you can strategically devise a plan on how to take it. So when you see the plan and you see the vision, you see the purpose, God isn't trying to determine if 
you can take it. Go take a look at it and see if you like it. It was a command to go into Canaan. It wasn't an option. I'm delivering you out of the hand of the Egyptians. I'm sending you with all their good stuff, and you're going to go into the, in the land of Canaan, and one by one, you're going to pick apart these towns. But we know. They send these 12 spies in. And if we look here in verse 25, after exploring the land for 40 days, the men returned to Moses, Aaron, the whole community of Israel at Kadesh in the wilderness of Paran. They reported to the whole community what they had seen and showed them the fruit they had taken from the land. This was their report to Moses. We entered the land you sent us to explore, and it is indeed a bountiful country, a land flowing with milk and honey. Here is the kind of fruit it produces. So they're identifying the goodness of the land. They're identifying the promises of God. It is just as he spoke. It is just as he said. It has all that he promised it would have for us. It's a great land. But the people living there are powerful. And their towns are large and fortified. And we even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. The Amalekites live in the Negev. The Hittites, Jebusites, Amorites live in the hill country. The Canaanites live along the coast of the Mediterranean Sea and along the Jordan Valley. So first they announce the blessing and then they announce the burden. Because freedom always has a blessing and freedom always has a burden. See, when you were enslaved, you didn't have to worry about fighting battles. Now as a free person, guess what's on the agenda? We got to fight some wars. We're going to have to fight some battles. We're going to have to fend for ourselves. Back in Egypt, how many times did they say that? How many times did they say, well, at least back in Egypt, we had three square meals a day. It's amazing how good slavery looks when you start fighting the fight of freedom. You know when you're in a real faith test and a real faith battle when Egypt starts looking good again. If you don't have a desire to go back to slavery, you're not doing it right. You're living too comfortable. You're living too complacent. You're living below what God has because what God has for you will overwhelm you so much, you'll, you'll have a desire. You'll have a want to. You'll start looking back and say, you know, when I was with that person, well, I didn't have to worry about encouraging them with the word and being built up with the, because they were just as sinful as I was. They were just outside of the word of God as I was. It's amazing the things that start looking good when you start living by faith. When you start living in true freedom, sin all of a sudden looks like the better option. Darkness looks like the better option. All of a sudden, you forget the taskmaster's whips. You forget the bondage. You forget the work they assigned to you. You forget how harshly they treated you. You forget the way that they made you live, where they made you sleep, when they made you get up, when you had to go to bed, when you ate. And now all of a sudden the meals in slavery look good because out here we have to trust God to bring water out of a rock. I didn't have to believe for water out of a rock. And you know what? You know what the Egyptians knew they could do with this Israel, this this Israelite group? They could break them down mentally. 
And one of the ways you recondition and you break someone down mentally is you give them benefits along the way. Just enough to make them think you have their best interests at heart. It's a part of reconditioning. If you do what I say, we'll let you do this. That's slavery. That's a slavish way to live and a slavish way to think. God doesn't work that way. If you do this, you'll get rewarded with this. That's a slave mentality. So they start thinking about all of a sudden all the good things of slavery. All the benefits of slavery. And now we've forgotten the burdens. And now we're highlighting the burdens of freedom and the benefits of slavery are outweighing the burdens of freedom. And Caleb, verse 30, tried to quiet the people as they stood before Moses. Let's go at once to take the land. When is the best time to start walking in freedom? At once. Don't even give your flesh the opportunity. Don't even give your flesh the, uh, the moment that op, the, the, to, to sit and think, well, you know, when I had it this, I had this. And when I was there, this is what it was like. Oh, man, if we could just go at once, step out on his word, step out in faith, believe him at his word, and walk away from slavery. Freedom is so much greater. Canaan is so much greater. The promised land is so much greater. Why are you contemplating slavery? Why are you desiring Egypt? Let's go at once. We can certainly conquer it. He doesn't deny the burden of freedom. He recognizes we're up to the task. We're up to the challenge. We can do this. We've been set free. We've been delivered. We're not in bondage anymore. We're not enslaved anymore. We're not bound anymore. We can go out and we can take this land. It's the freedom to choose. But the other men who had explored the land with him disagreed. We can't go up against them. They are stronger than we. They are stronger than we. And so they spread this bad report about the land among the Israelites. The land we traveled through and explored will devour anyone who goes to live there. All the people we saw were huge. We even saw giants there, the descendants of Anak. Next to them, we felt like grasshoppers. And that's what they thought too. Worship team, if you come. You get reconditioned. You get broken down in your mind. And even when the physical oppression is removed, even when the physical taskmaster is taken out of your life, you've been delivered. It's not a stronghold over you any longer. We still find ourselves enslaved to it. All because we could not break the thought. We couldn't break the thinking. We couldn't break the mental component. Guys, if you'd pull up Exodus chapter 1, 
in the new living? I want you to see this. Exodus chapter 1. Start with verse 6. In time, Joseph and all of his brothers died. Chapter 1, verse 6. Ending that entire generation. But their descendants, the Israelites, had many children and grandchildren. In fact, they multiplied so greatly that they became extremely powerful and filled the land. We're talking about the Israelites. This is before they became enslaved. If you recall, they went to Egypt on account that Joseph, by a word from God, interpreting Pharaoh's dream, said Egypt will be the storehouse that all other nations would come to in the midst of this famine. Store up for seven years while the good years, and then in the seven bad years, people from all over will come to you. So the Israelites eventually left their towns and came to Egypt. And they grew. They multiplied. Children. Grandchildren. And they became so powerful and so strong that in verse Eight, it says eventually a new king came to power in Egypt who knew nothing about Joseph or what he had done. And he said to his people, the Egyptians, look, the people of Israel now outnumber us and are stronger than we. We must make a plan to keep them from growing even more. If we don't and if war breaks out, they will join our enemies and fight against us and they will escape our country. So the Egyptians made the Israelites their slaves. Appointed brutal slave drivers over them, hoping to wear them down with crushing labor. Crushing their mental capacity. It's funny that in Numbers 13, the Israelites were saying of their enemy what their enemy was saying about them in Exodus chapter 1. Would you stand with me? Why would you go back? You're stronger than you know. You're more free than you know. You're more delivered than you know. You're more powerful than you know. You have more available to you than you know. You have more blessing on your life than you know. You have a God that is stronger than you know. Why would you go back to the yoke of slavery? Why would you walk away from the freedoms that you have in Christ? Accept the responsibility. Accept the burden. Take on his yoke today because slavery has nothing for you. Bondage has nothing for you. Thank you for taking the time to listen to our podcast today. We trust you received a word from God. If you enjoyed this teaching, be sure to subscribe to our podcast in iTunes. By subscribing, you'll be sure to receive a new message every week as soon as they are made available. And if you'd like to learn more about Anchor Faith Church, you can stop by our website 
at anchorfaithvaldosta.com. There you'll find our locations and service times, ministries that are available for you and your family. You can even give financially in support of the ministry. Thank you again for listening, and we look forward to seeing you next time right here on the Anchor Faith Church podcast.